Welcome to NGA Notable Lectures, a podcast offering a deeper understanding of all things artistic. Absent context, marks are stubbornly ambiguous things. How, then, do they acquire meaning? Perhaps their meaning lies not in what they signify or represent, but in how the viewer experiences them. On November 18, 2019, as part of the Works in Progress lecture series, William Whitaker, Senior Art Services Specialist in the Office of the Registrar at the National Gallery of Art, and Molly Donovan, Curator of Contemporary Art at the Gallery, grappled with this question and the proposed answer by examining paintings by Whitaker. Discussing Whitaker's artistic practice and his goals in mark-making, they challenged the audience to think critically about how meaning is attributed. So I was really, really fortunate a few weeks ago to be able to visit William's studio. You see the image of it here um, in Brentwood. And I was just exhilarated um, by these incredibly joyous, colorful works on his walls. Um, and I will just offer the big disclaimer here. What you're seeing up on the screen is not what I'm seeing in front of me. Um, and it's not what I saw, um, what's on the screen is not what I saw in the studio. The colors are much more vibrant. They look kind of a little dark, um, not so bright on the screen. And um, if after the talk, you want to come up and see the monitor, get a better um, indication of what the actual colors are, um, we'll invite you to do so. But... Um, but this is, you know, obviously from William's desk looking onto the studio walls. Um, uh, this recent work he calls his lazy grids, and we'll get to that in a bit. But um, yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, how, how long have you been working on these uh, so-called lazy grids? Um, well, the whole process, I guess, of initial uh, initial sketches to to these um, has been about two years. Um, and, and what started it off? Well, um, uh, it was a couple of years ago. I came across these two images um, that are from uh, Annie Albert's book on weaving, and uh, I was struck by uh, something of a contradiction in them. That uh, on the one hand, they have this very clear, precise meaning, um, their instructions, and uh, if followed, will yield a predictable result. And, um, and it's as simple, really, as a meaning can get. It's, it's uh, over or under the warp and the weft of, of the threads. Um, and so on the one hand, they have this, this very clear, precise meaning. But on the other hand, um, looking at them as I was without any practical experience of weaving, uh, they didn't have the, I didn't have that context in which to read them um, as they were intended to be read. And um, so it's kind of, they kind of become this, these ambiguous things. Uh, and uh, it reminded me of um, Paleolithic cave painting uh, in that, in a similar way, we don't have a context for reading these paintings either. They were made 
tens of thousands of years ago, and, and the people who made them didn't leave us records or anything like that. So we don't know how they saw the world or their place in it. Um, and so, you know, we can recognize horses very easily, we can recognize the rhinoceros very easily, but not the why. The, the intention of it, the intention behind it is, is missing. So as a viewer, how do you, wh- how do you approach an image like this? Well, I think, um, to me, uh, the question is, you know, are marks a language or an experience? And I tend to think that they're more of an experience um, than a language. So that means that looking at them is where the meaning really comes from. Um, and obviously, in this case, of looking at it uh, only in reproductions. But I think the same sort of thing applies, where it's, it's, it's kind of a... Uh, there's kind of an empathetic sort of process that goes on... Um, so each viewer fills in their story about the work or their associations, think, or is that? I think am it's I understanding that simpler than that. Even that, it's just that this was a hand that made this mark. Um, this is my eye that's tracing that mark, and there's there's a a kind of uh, linkage there between the artist and the viewer, and I think that's really where the meaning comes from. Okay, and we'll get to that with how you understand your work yeah. as well. Um, yeah, so I started making um, grid-like drawings um, and very quickly realized that I was not going to make them precise, precisely. Um, they were going to be rough, and so I started calling them lazy grids as a somewhat tongue-in-cheek reference to... Right. The rigidity, the formality of a grid being lazy is kind of, what? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and it was important to me that, that, that the grid break down a little bit, that it become something other than uh, just right angles. And, and here we have diagonals, so... Um, something that Annie Albers wrote about in Unweaving, which you read, mm-hmm. um, you know, about the diagonals. If it's on a diagonal, um, it, it has to be a braid. If it's a vertical or horizontal, that constitutes um, weaving. Um, but either way, this work along the grid inflects a kind of tension into the work. And, um, you know, this, what I would, what I see in, in your work are these, um, you know, both, both the, um, the, uh, movement you imply by the structure, um, gives it attention, but the patterns and the colors, um, as you go through developing your work, um, yeah, I'm, uh, This is one of the more recent ones. Um, so those other ones were the first? Those were the, the first sort of iterations, I guess, of, of this idea. Um, and there is a lot of uh, tension 
in, on various levels that I'm that I'm interested in, and uh, you know, one of the one of them being the the, the structure of of them, but they consist of these uh, you know sort of squares um, that are very regular, and yet um, they're ill-defined. Their their borders are are ill-defined, and so. There's kind of a uh, an expectation that's set up um, that a pattern is going to continue, and it doesn't. Um, is that why they're lazy? Is that one way they're lazy? Yeah, yeah. the 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 pattern gives up <laughs> after a while. It it becomes something <laughs> else. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I. I uh, I play with um, the white space a lot too. That that uh, there are lines that that form from just not doing, just not finishing a stroke. You know, it's it's splitting it into two and continuing that uh, throughout the square leads to this sort of undulating um, quality to the the lines. And then on top of that is is the are they are these Blocks of color that um, seem to define shape. Um, so you say on top. So what's underneath? So I always start with um, a chromatic gray underlayer. Um, what what is chromatic gray? So it's define. It's mixing uh, two complementary colors, um, and I'm. Fascinated by that idea of of uh, this midpoint between uh, between colors that 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 it pulls if you if you if you mix it right it pulls in different directions if you're mixing red and green you know you can sort of go too far towards the green end or too far towards the red end but if you hit it just right it's it's uh, I don't know to me it's it's Sort of this magical balance, um, and do you have a formula for this chromatic gray? No, um, they are uh, they're you know they're they're it's an attempt every time. It's an attempt to mix it. It, it doesn't. Um, I think by this point, I have I have kind of an informal formula in my head. Like I know, I know how it's going to turn out almost from the beginning because, I don't know, there's just things that I've learned, but, um, but no set proportions or anything like that. Um, Same colors every time? Different proportions? No, different, um, very different. and uh, Different colors. Different colors, yeah. So oh. sometimes, sometimes they end up being a very dark, um, a very dark gray, um, or almost white, um, and I think to me that 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 initial choice is um, something that really uh, informs how they develop as as paintings. Um, that usually I'll. Uh, 
I lay it all out in gray, and if, if that gray suggests something, if it suggests a color, then um, I'll start to pick out shapes um, with that color. And then from there, it, it just proceeds. In a, with your choice of the other colors? Yeah. The gray, the chromatic gray that you put together yes. leads to the next step. Yes, yes. It, 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 uh, not always sort of linear, in a linear way, but, um, but yeah, it does, it does suggest, um, you know, it'll have an overtone of, of, of um, a little bit more yellow or, or a little bit more purple or a coolness or a, a warmth. And um, so that's kind of informing the next step um, in these. And then sometimes they, uh, they end up back at gray. You know, they go through a lot of iterations and then... Um, so one of the things when I went to William's studio, um, you know, I took in that shot. The, my visual was th these three walls and his supplies, taking everything at once and just saying, wow, and it's so dynamic and there's a lot of movement in the works and then as a group, even more so, it's uh, exponentially... Um, you know, amplified. Um, but then when one goes up to one individual work, one can see something entirely different. I'm wondering if you could go forward to one of the details where yeah. you can see the layering of the colors of each mark. Um, and there are as many as four sometimes. Oh, yeah. They're... Easy. Yeah. Um, and you can see that in these this bottom register um, where the black and what looks like brown on the screen, but it's actually a very bright orange. Um, you know, these layers and these, you know, misregistered, you know, it's not covered perfectly um, on, on purpose. Exactly. Um, so these little peaks of, of color, and it adds to this incredibly rich visual um, uh, experience for your eye to move around the page. It's mm -hmm. uh, you're really kind of taking us everywhere, which is why when you go into the studio and you see this wall of finished works, you don't know where to start because it's all compelling all at once. Um, so you then go and take one at a time and explore within each work, and it's quite rewarding. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's in this slide too. It's worth pointing out that there's. Um, mistakes that happen um, that, you know, I'll be going along and, and um, forget for a moment what I'm doing and, uh, and mistakes happen and I'm very, I'm very much okay with that. I, I, uh, that's part of the laziness, I guess, in another... Build it into the success of the project yeah the laziness yes. well it's good um i'll take it mistakes are in i'll take laziness in this form anytime <laughs> i'll take this laziness it's very successful um so i want to ask you about the paper because it's different those first works you were showing has a have have a different quality to them than than these Yes. Um, so, what what was that? 
ground and what is this ground? How are they, um, how are you getting from that to this, you know, to the next step? So this is uh, handmade Abaca paper uh, that my wife made. Um, and it's a very, uh, I guess it's sort of like parchment and it's, it's crinkly and it's uh, a little bit stiff and, and um, it has a lot of, a lot of physicality to it. It's, um, it's got a presence. Um, and it's and, not as bright white. No, it's... It has, it's, it's handmade, right? Yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's this sort of tan mm -hmm. color that, that varies. Um, and then these paintings are on uh, a Japanese paper called uh, Gampi that is uh, very much machine-made. Um, it's a smooth, it's very thin, very, very smooth, almost shiny surface um, that I, I was, uh, I guess, attracted to because of that, uh, because of that lightness and that, that sort of gentle folding that, that, that goes on, that, that um, the paper, as you put on the paint, sort of and takes on a different shape. The paint you're using is, it, it's acrylic? Acrylic, yeah. yeah. Um, and and how it, does that behave on the pa that paper? Well, it, uh, it tends to, uh, well, the first thing, I guess, is that it adds literal weight to it. it um, it's interesting as they go on that, uh, you know, handling them, they, I notice that they have become heavier and uh, and it also as it dries it, it it I don't know subtly not wrinkles but changes the shape of the paper a little bit here and there and uh, holes right yeah holes yeah exactly um, yeah I remember going into your studio and seeing a lot of you know inflection a lot of uh, structure, waviness right. in certain areas of these um, works. Which is kind of a, a, a thing I struggle with, I, I suppose, too. Um, there's an instinct that it should be, as a painting, it should be something flat and, and more or less rigid and... Um, and I think I think I mentioned actually when when you came to the studio that I was planning on mounting them to canvas, um, and you asked why, and I didn't have an answer. So um, I kind of it, it, been thinking about that a lot, and uh, I think I I do kind of end up liking the the paper quality more than. Oh, you think you might not mount them to yeah, canvas? I, think I might just leave them as they are. We'll see. You can experiment. Um, I was just like, they're so paper-like um, that, you know, I was wondering what that would look like if it were mounted to canvas, and yeah. maybe it would be great, and maybe that's the right answer. Don't, don't go there because I asked you the question. No, I didn't. <laughs> I just thought, no, I, it was, it was, I was curious, and I thought, wow, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, but I think something about the raw materials you're choosing to use here are important to the work somehow. And um, 
they are paintings, but on paper, and you know that has its own that has its own meaning right there. Mm-hmm. Um, how one approaches them, how one sees them. Um, so I was you know interested in that. Yeah, and I I, uh, I mix my own paints as well. Um, I get these uh, little bottles. They're in the first slide there. You might have seen them in the in the foreground. Um, but they're pigment dispersions, and you mix that with a binder, and um, and that's your paint. And uh, I really, I feel like that is important to how I work. That that sort of uh, making it as you go, making every part of it as you go, and and uh, you know it's. When it comes to mixing colors, it's it's uh, it's really more of a process of discovery. I feel like than than paint from a tube is. You know, it's um, yeah. There's a spontaneity about the whole project, the, the way you mix the paint, the way you apply the paint. Um, it's not predetermined, right. You know, it's all kind of uh, process-oriented, and the spontaneity conveys very, you know, it's very in evidence in the final work. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do happen very quickly. Once, once, um, once I've started a painting, um, they tend to evolve pretty rapidly. Um, sometimes they stall out and, and I'll have to put it aside for a while. Um, I have a wall that's dedicated to things that are waiting. Um, and, uh, but for the most part, they, they are very spontaneous. Um, and when did you start making these? These larger paintings on, on the Gampy yeah. paper, um, I started making uh, in late August, early September of this year. Um, so they have, yeah, they've, they've developed. But you've been working on the idea, you said, for a couple of years? Right. And where right. did it start out? Where did, where did the idea, what triggered the idea? Um, well, I do a lot of uh, sort of low investment drawings at, at the early phases of things, I, sketches, really. Um, and uh, they're almost like doodling. I, I tongue-in-cheek sometimes refer to my work as doodle-based abstraction. Um, but do you have a sketchbook? Sketchbooks and sketchbooks. And, yeah, just lots of them. And, yeah. Um, and for these, you know, I, I started out, uh, if you remember from the first slides, the, uh, with the diagonal, the squares made up of diagonals and um, I then sort of moved into this, where it's it's got a square with a diagonal sort of bisecting it, um, and that's why I do those those sketches. Why I do that kind of uh, groundwork, I guess, is um, that just occurred to me. It, it just occurred one day that you know, like I could, I could do that, and I did it, and it it seemed to be. Kind of an interesting thing, and so that whole process of of uh, 
you know, going through ideas and creating a kind of store of images in my, in my memory um, is very important to how I work. So yeah, for most of the two years that I guess I've been working on this idea, it's been very small drawings and sketches and whatnot and very few actual paintings until about two months ago or three months ago. So, so a lot of practice and then yeah, off and running. It's kind of like practice. Yeah, it's, um, it's not so much... Uh, well, no, it, it's, no, it's not so much rehearsing. I mean, it's not, it's not about getting it perfect. It's not about getting um, anything to be a certain way. Um, but it is about going through, well, this sounds wrong, but going through the motions, like uh, really actually just physically making those Working marks over and over and over again um, so that when the time comes to paint it, 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 it just, it's there, it's, it's ready to go, it's um, in my mind and in my hand. A certain kind of intentionality along the way that... Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I... When I say practice, I mean, like, yeah, that's what I, I was thinking about, um, just actually just doing it, just mm -hmm. working through the idea to arrive at... Hopefully something... But new. not to make something perfect, right. a process-based methodology right. as opposed to not practice makes perfect. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's... it's um, I always try to uh, end up with a, a, a process of, of making the paintings that, that balances the, um, the considered and the, the thought through uh, with the spontaneous and the uh, sort of on-the-fly decisions. That, that, um, right, and all that tension is built into this work. It's very clear, um, you know, and... Annie Albers on weaving, which you read, um, you know, she talks about the warp and the weft, those two tensions that um, the pull um, in different directions to hold the weaving together um, that create the integrity, really, of mm. the work. And that's, you know, what we see here. Yeah, in a certain way, I guess I'm, I'm trying to make weaving by other means, I guess. They're, um, right. you know, it's, it's a visual, a visual kind of analog with, with weaving, not, um, not so much, uh, not that I'm not interested in actual weaving, but, you know, like for my, yeah. for my painting practice, it's, it's more about, um, well, you, you remarked on the Annie Albers on weaving, that original text from 65, and, you know, in the text, she's she talks about how creating this open-ended. You know, she's ta she's writing about weaving the specific both the specifics of weaving and what weaving can mean to other practices or how it relates yeah. to a broader set of decision making and concerns. Um, uh, you know, so it's it's interesting that you would alight on that text in particular. How did you come across that? 
Um, Text. That was uh, Instagram. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I think it was David Zorner books published, um, republished on Weaving a few years ago. And, yeah. And I, uh, I suppose they had a show around the same I time. I think they did, yeah. Um, and I had also just seen uh, a show in London of uh, Sheila Hicks. And so I got very interested in, in textiles for a moment there. And, um, yeah, I just, that was uh, sort of a happy discovery on the, in the midst of all the other stuff on Instagram. Well, then it's even more interesting to me thinking about your choice of paper as opposed to canvas, mm -hmm. given, you know, the woven nature and the grid-like nature of canvas, and then here's the paper. Um, so well, that's, that's interesting, you know. Is, I hadn't really thought yeah. about that, but that's, yeah. that's kind true. Of, um, um, even more purposeful, somehow there's something about this raw paper um, quality in the paint yeah. um, that, you know, signals something else. And, um, but you had talked to me when I was in the studio about um, the appeal that weaving had for you in regard to its um, quality as soft and pliable. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you can talk about that and, and yeah. how it relates to these works on paper and how it... Well, there's, yeah, there are a couple of ways that, that uh, I think I touched on this a little bit at the beginning, that, that it's kind of contradictory weaving, is that, that there, you have this very rigid structure of a grid, basically, the warp and the weft at, at right angles to each other. Um, but it creates a material that's very soft and pliable. Um, and visually, too, you have this uh, sort of visual pliability to it, too, that, that it, it, a, lot of, uh, a lot of weaving ends up looking not like it's on a grid. And so I was kind of interested in that quality for my own, my own homework. You think maybe you can achieve you achieve that differently on paper than on canvas. I think, I think so. I think um, one of the things that that uh, that attracted me to this paper in particular was that uh, its smoothness and its um, sort of lack of resistance. So um, it allowed me to to really concentrate on on just making a mark. And not thinking so much about how the paint interacts with the canvas and how the tooth of the canvas comes through, and um, and I guess it's also a way of, of sort of not being too on the nose about it. You know, if it was on canvas, it might it might uh, sort of be too too referential, I guess. Well, I like the the idea that the layered Marks are literally um, physically fastened to one another the way mm -hmm. in, you know, um, well, both in cave painting, the medium is, it's, it's like baked in now to the, the, right. the original ground and um, the same thing with, in a different way, obviously, with uh, woven material, these um, 
these elements are fast, literally fastened to one another. Right. So there's a really wonderful parallel there in these works. Can we go to one of the details again? I just 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 think they're so compelling. You know, where you see the overall wall, and then you go up to one work, and you see that there are four or five colors mm-hmm. in each area, um, and very, you know, purposefully done that way, um, where the the edges are peeking out. Yeah. Um, it just adds great richness to the colors and to the composition itself, and it moves your eye um, in this really um, dynamic way. And again, the colors I'm looking at in this monitor, I mean, the yellow, it looks very kind of almost greenish here. It is bright, bright, sunny yellow, um, the actual work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, that sort of... Uh the edges peeking out, as you said, is um, very intentional. Um, I sometimes think that I should make it. I should make it perfect. I should make them neat and tidy. Um, but I think in the end, um, that quality of having the different layers sort of uh, come and go um, really adds something to it that being neat might not. Oh, don't be neat. Yeah. <laughs> don't be neat. This is so rich this way, I, th- I think. Yeah, we it, shows, it shows uh, your level of intentionality to not be, not make it perfect, not mm-hmm. make it neat. Um, you know, and it gives the viewer something else to work on, right. um, to think about. And that is something that I'm, I'm very interested in, is uh, bringing the viewer into the process. Um, I think uh, one of the things about meaning in painting, um, I think I mentioned the language or experience, and, um, and that sort of parallel between looking and mark-making um, is to me a way really of, of uh, leveling the playing field in a, in a way between the artist and the viewer so that it, it sort of undoes some of the hierarchy between the two, that there's a, a, a more uh, one-to-one kind of interaction instead of being a, um, you know, instead of... A, setting out with a particular meaning in mind and, and conveying that to the viewer and uh, forcing them to understand it in a way. It's meant to be understandable in multiple ways. It's very generous. It's a very generous process. Yeah, I think you succeed. <laughs> um, well, we're almost out of time and um, I'm wondering if you can show your one of your later or last slides um, to see what we might be expecting next, um, you know, in the process or things that you're thinking about or trying or um, practicing without trying to be perfect. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is. Uh, 
sort of a wall of of uh, projects that that started and and haven't uh, really gotten very far. But uh, this is the works on the ledge. Yes. Kind of. Yeah, and um, one of the things that I've been playing around with is is uh, constructing these these wooden sort of um, gestures. I, I think of them as constructed gestures, but um, but yeah, I don't know what to do with them, so they're they're sitting there now. Are you going to paint them? I see some um, color on the edges. Yes. Or are they going to be? So the, the one. Because you're a painter. I mean, these yes. are objects, but you're a painter. Yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm always very interested in painting, and and um, so yeah, I think part of the idea of these was that um, only the edges would be painted. That the the, the oh. fronts of them would be either all white or or, or all black, um, and. Uh, Part of that was to um, again in, involve the viewer in a way by by uh, by creating these reflections on the wall. These um, you know the light bounces off, and there's a little bit of if it's blue, there's a little bit of blue on the wall, and it's kind of like after images when you look at a bright color for a long time, you have this after image of it, and it's. Um, so it's you know it was all kind of vaguely meant to be bringing the viewer into the process, um, as with the, with the the paintings, the other paintings. Well, um, I think we have something to look forward to once yeah. you sort out the next bit with these. In the meantime, we can enjoy your lazy grids, which I think are just superb and really wonderful to look at on mass and individually. Great. Um, does anybody have any questions? Dan? Well, you know, what, what fuels your work? What fuels your work? With power? Do you think? Well, um, I think I'm one of those people that, that uh, I don't I don't look for inspiration, really. I, I sort of just keep working and um, wait for that moment when things occur. And um, like I find that, that, that moment where things um, just sort of occur to me um, to be magical in a way. Like it's, it's a very unique feeling. Um, so I guess I'm... I'm Searching for that always, uh, and that's what, what sort of prompts me to do this over and over again. So. I like the work on the shelf. It's nice. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, Shelley. I am totally with Molly. These are terrific buildings, and it's so exciting to see them. I couldn't help but be struck by um, a real three-dimensionality, and. I think that comes from the colors, from the negative space, but also from, um, in the close-ups, the, the depth of the, the colors themselves, mm. the, the multi-layering. And, and I was, as I was looking at, at, at big ones, I just kept thinking, mosaic. Oh. They were in glass, and they were... Oh, leave it to the objects, yeah. conservator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I just wondered if, if you know, you spent a lot of time installing networks. I, I just wasn't sure if there was any residual mm. way back there. Um, <laughs> well, no, not specifically. Um, but uh, I do. I do think a lot about um, you know how we how we look at things in the world and how they become a part of our memory and um, I think a lot of a lot of things that that come out in my work are if they if they end up looking like something else it's um, not necessarily intentional or you know a, a reference to something um, but it's just a part of the process of looking that that, that it and mark making that it it just sort of comes out. So, yeah. Uh, when I look at some of your pieces, um, sometimes I feel like I'm seeing music, or maybe I'm seeing your breath. I'm mm -hmm. wondering if you create these in silence, or if something else is going on. Uh, silence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I I find it uh, sort of tempting to talk about them in terms of music um, because there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's key changes and, and, you know, chord progressions and, and whatnot, and uh, especially overtones, you know, like the notes have these primary tones and then these sort of overtones that, that uh, color them a little bit. And so it's very tempting, I think, for me to to go to music as a way of, uh, uh, of talking about them, but uh, I think I'd really like for them to be their own things. Um, you know, uh, I think I think music has its has its sort of language, um, and visual stuff has its kind of language, and I'm very interested in finding that visual uh, specific kind of language. So, yeah, Lewis? Some of the large panels there, like the one on the left, also remind me of uh, pages of text. Mm. Um, if you stare at a page closely, you start to see the little white spaces between the yeah. spaces and the words that connect to make little little or diagonals <laughs> that you're doing, and then blocks that look Mm -hmm. deleted or something. So there's a reference to words and composition typesetting also tends to be Yeah. Yeah, that's um, something that's occurred to me as well, that it, that, that sort of white space um, between text and and whatnot. Um, so it's kind of like a little secret language. Yeah, and, and going back to uh, that question of, of, of uh, finding things in the world that come out sort of unintentionally um, when I'm working. So looking at text is something that, that you know, goes into memory, you know, it, it becomes part of uh, ourselves. And, and I think the way I work, the way I try to work is to allow that to come out in non-literal ways, you know. So.
David? I see you sketching a lot. Uh, when, you, when you're doing one of your finished paintings after you laid out the grid, is it really entirely intuitive at that point? I mean, if we looked at sketches and paintings, would you sort of see a connection between a particular sketch or group of sketches and a finished painting? Um, the very basic elements, I think, would be the same. Um, but I do, I do go into the painting um, anew. You know, like it, it's it's uh, the sketches aren't um, aren't you know they're not uh, they're not typically sorting out problems and and figuring them out on on paper first and then going to the painting. Um, they're more of a and I can't remember if I said this this hour or last hour, but um, they're more of like a rehearsal. Um, they're, they're sort of going through these motions and, and, and becoming comfortable with them and, and to the point where they can be improvised um, when I'm painting. So, yeah, Shelley? Just simple on, on technique. Do you um, paint with them vertically or Horizontally, do you work on one at a time or many at, at the same time? Um, horizontally, um, I work on one at a time, but I'll for this group, you know, I I just uh, I just started making them in that that initial kind of gray, and then um, just made a bunch of them so that I would have a bunch to look at while I was working on one. So I'll, you know, I'll take one down off the wall and I'll, I'll paint on it and then put it back up to look at it and then maybe work on another one for a little bit. And so I don't, I don't, I try not to get bogged down into one. So they're evolving. Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, have trouble deciding when one's finished when you're working on in that way on multiple pieces at once and they're sort of evolving? I do. I have this fear of going too far and, and um, a tendency, I think, to, to go too far. Um, I actually had a professor in college who took a painting away from me um, <laughs> and... and uh, made me stop working on it. Um, so I don't really know other than I kind of feel like I've run out of moves, I guess, um, when, when that's when they're done to me, I think. Well, thank you all so much for coming. Thank you. This has been a National Gallery of Art podcast.